Welcome to GradCast. On this podcast, I uncover all the do's and don'ts of being an APS grad and the tips and insights you need to know to get the most out of your grad year. This time on GradCast, we discuss a topic front and centre for any graduate working with the public or working with taxpayer money. We have to be careful with how we treat those information because these, these uh, access are granted to us and it's our responsibility to make sure we treat them accordingly. And the red flags we should look out for when it comes to fraud. Look out for unusual or frequent requests for changes in their account, especially right before they submit some sort of payment request. That's a taste of what's to come. Let's get right into it. Welcome back to Grandcast. I'm your host, Calm Irving, and in this episode, I'm joined by Mia Miat Hin Ong, a current graduate at the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, CSC, where I also did my grad program last year. Mia is approaching the halfway point of his grad year, uh, and he's also doing a rotation with the RISC team at CSC. Mia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on today. It's great to have you. Um, now, it's not quite accurate to say welcome. So you've actually been on GradCast before, uh, but in a little snippet because we did an interview of some of the grads at CSC. Um, but it's great to, to have you back. How are you feeling about being on today? Uh, to be honest, I was a bit nervous when I first got in the invitation. But then again, a grad program is all about you know trying new things, taking some risk. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh, this is a great opportunity for me to explore some of my interests. So yeah, happy to share what I have learned so far from the RISC team. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And yeah, we're really interested to hear about that topic. Uh, but before that, would love to, I guess, get a bit of a, a, a background on your journey to being a grad at CSC. Um, so I guess, yeah, what was the journey that led you up to starting your grad program? What were you doing last year before joining the CSC grad program? Right, so before joining CSC, I did two uh, work integrated learning courses at uni. Yeah. So I did a marketing strategy analyst intern, and I also did a consulting project, uh, both of which are located in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, which is where I did my study. Nice. Um, and what made you want to choose CSC as a place to do your grad program? There are a couple of reasons. Uh, the first mainly is because of the fact that CSC actually accepts international students like myself, yep. which is really rare, especially within the APS world. Yeah. Uh, secondly is the fact that CSC have a long history of 100 years. Uh, this speaks to their stability and reputation as a superannuation company. And what really struck to me during the application process was the fact that uh, they have shown a really big willingness to embrace new changes and evolve with time. And I was really appreciate the fact that they're looking for people with new opinion and perspective. Mm. And most importantly, it's, just, it's simply because of the fact that it's in the public sector, right? It's not just about the bottom line. It's not just about a profit. Uh, I was happy to be able to contribute to something that's greater than you know money. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, and how's the grad year been so far? Great year has been great. Uh, I have a lot of supportive colleague and manager. Uh, if I have an issue, like they, they help me solve them. Um, so overall, it has been a reflective, reflective journey of learning, growth, and yeah, nothing to complain so far. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's good you said that because um, one of our colleagues is here in the office, Alice. Hello. So, um, <laughs> but no, I'm so glad it's been great so far. Um, and as you've mentioned already, you're doing a rotation in the RIS team. 
Uh, why do you want to pick that as a rotation? Well, to be honest, when I first joined CSC, risk was not on my radar. But then I talked to the 2022 grad, including yourself. Yeah. Um, and you all have really good things to say about the rotation. And that's when I reached out to the senior manager yeah. of the risk team. And we had a really good conversation there as well. And that's when I learned that risk rotation could be extremely beneficial to my learning because the team collaborate with a lot of um, business unit across the organization. This exposure to different areas can give me the opportunity to work with people from different backgrounds, ranging from customer, finance, tax, and so on, and allow me to get a good understanding of how the company and the industry work, uh, which is extremely helpful for my own professional development and growth, especially since I have almost no knowledge of superannuation before I started working at CSE. And on top of that, risk in general uh, is something that's applicable everywhere. Uh, since every decision we make at the work carry a level of inherent risk, um, having this ex experience can be highly valuable to anyone uh, down, their uh, down their career in the future. Uh, I would also like to take this opportunity to mention the fact that CSE has recently participated in a various independent risk culture and risk maturity assessment, and the results have been extremely positive, even when compared to our industry peers. And this is just testament to not the amazing hard work that the risk team have done, but also the overall um, effort of the organization to lift ourselves to the next level. Mm, yeah, great, great um, uh, plug there. Yeah, shout out to the risk team and also just, yeah, a great place to do a rotation. As, I'm definitely yeah. not forced to say it, by the way. This is honest opinion. No, no absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I did a rotation there last year and, and yeah, found it really helpful. And I think um, some, some really similar experiences, it was, it was really great. Um, what sort of projects have you been working on at the moment? Um, I'm working on a couple of things. Uh, first is the Risky Business Newsletter, which is something I'm currently writing. So the aim of the Risk Letter is something that we publish every other month. We aim to increase risk awareness among employees. We do this by celebrating our risk culture. We offer insight into some of the latest development in the business. We also write case studies of things that we thought might be helpful for people to understand. Um, so overall, the purpose is to make risk fun, engaging, and most importantly, educational. And sometimes we do this by uh, putting in some fun and relatable memes. Yeah, that's right. I heard, heard that you were coming out with the memes for the latest uh, newsletter. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It, it has been fun and um, exciting. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's a great name as well, Risky Business. Yeah, and on top of that, I, I, was, I have also participated in a risk workshop. In a risk workshop, we sit with different uh, areas of the business and we discuss their existing risks that they have identified in the past. And then we also discuss some uh, potential exposure to new risks in the future. Other than that, we also do risk control assessment. So for every risk that we have identified, we have a list of control in place in order to bring those risks back down into appetite. And through the control assessment, we would discuss with the control owner on whether their control is still adequate, whether there need to be any improvement and changes made to it. And as you can see, these work involve a lot of collaboration with various stakeholders across the business. And you can imagine how this is a goldmine of learning opportunity for a grad such as myself. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, and May, you mentioned, I guess, yeah, like before coming into the risk team, it sort of wasn't something on your radar. There's been a lot of things that you've learned. Uh, what have been some of the, the things that you've learned that have been really interesting as you've joined the risk team? Well, mainly it's just the fact that, um, uh, mainly it's about the risk, risk model. Mm. Uh, so, so this is the three lines of defense model that I learned, which is the risk management framework that we use at CSC. It outlines the responsibility of various stakeholders. Uh, so, so, so to go over it briefly, the first line involves 
operational units, which are essentially frontline manager and worker who are in charge of managing their own risk. And then the second line of uh, risk would be the, the risk team itself. We provide guidance and oversight and support the first line, making sure that uh, they're following procedures and policies. Lastly, the third line represents independent assurance measure and internal audit. They evaluate the first two lines and provide recommendations for improvement. Uh, additionally, I have also learned uh, about the fraud triangle, which is extremely interesting because the model explains why people commit fraud. According to the model, there are three main factors. The first is opportunity. There is a chance, a weakness in the system for them to commit fraud. The second is rationalization, which is essentially how they justify it, usually by blaming it on other people. Third line would be motivation, meaning there is a pressure, usually financial reason, to commit fraud. According to the model, when all three factors exist, it significantly increases the likelihood for someone to commit fraud. So if, if we do an environmental scan, in times where it is likely for three, all, all three factors uh, to exist, we have to be extremely careful uh, because that's where risks thrive. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and then they sort of things that you use day to day as you're yeah, being a part of the risk team? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't actually personally been involved in handling fraud myself, but sure. I have done a lot of uh, reading and stuff like that. Into yeah, it. yeah. Um, and Mia, I think you came into the risk team at what's probably a really interesting time. I guess recently we've had sort of the high profile data breaches at sort of some external companies. Um, yeah, I guess is, this has been stuff that has been on the news a lot recently, thinking about sort of a data security risk, um, organizational security, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, is there anything that, that you or your team have learned from some of those, I guess, really big high profile cases? Uh, well, this is, this is a really good time to, dis to discuss this topic, actually, because according to the latest data published by ACC, see, which is the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, uh, according to the report, Australia has lost over $3.1 billion to scam wow. in 2022 alone, yeah. and, and with the elderly population being the most impacted. Mm. This is actually an 80% increase on total losses compared to <clears throat> 2021. In just one year, we have an 80% increase. And according to the report, the invest, investment scam alone totaled over $1.5 billion, followed by remote access scam. These scams are when a, a scammer contacts their victim via text, email, uh, phone, claiming to be from a familiar company in order to fish for their uh, personal account information. And these are ex uh, on the rise, especially among recent cases of high-profile data leaks like Optus and Medibank. Yeah which has compromised a lot of people's sensitive information and has affected a lot of APS industry as well. Um, so as you, as you may be aware, if we are not careful, this can have a significant domino effect on the security concern of the company and our customers. Um, and if we look at those data leak and tie it back to the fraud triangle I talked about, having these sensitive information out there create this really tantalizing opportunity, especially when people already have the necessary motivation and rationalization to back them up. Um, and what I just talked about is just the risk of external fraud. We also should bring attention to the risk of internal fraud as well. If we look into Commonwealth Fraud Prevention Center, they often publish cases of uh, fraud committed by criminal within the APS. Now, oftentimes these cases occur due to the fact that uh, people have access to cr uh, crucial information and knowledge of how the process, internal processes work. So it, it allows them to forge fake payment and impersonate their own customers. Uh, especially during times of economic downturn, which is what we're going to right now, uh, it can create a lot of financial pressure that motivates people to commit fraud. 
so yeah, these cases just highlight the importance of investing in upskilling our own cybersecurity measure and the need for organizing organization to be vigilant in protecting customer. At the end of the day, this tie back to what we do, what we do. We are in the APS. We, especially from the perspective of a superannuation company, our members are the APS and ADF members. They serve our country, and it is only right for us to protect the retirement fund to make sure that it's safe and secure. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, and have they, I guess, impacted, uh, I guess, these sort of cases, have they impacted uh, the understanding that we have about fraud and risk? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I might have to, I haven't been in this space for too long, mm. but from from what I have learned so far, in a customer or public facing role, there are several red flags we should be aware of. For example, most of the time, a criminal will contact, uh, will highlight the urgency of their request. Right, they they want to make sure that it gets over as soon as possible before we sense that something fishy is going on. So, for example, look out for unusual or frequent requests for changes in their account, uh, especially right before they submit some sort of payment request. Right, because sometimes they want to redirect payment to, into their personal account. Um, also, look out for discrepancies in document or application received. This can include spelling mistake, uh, incorrect form being received, and if uh, the application was done via handwriting, make sure to check that the handwriting matches what we have on file. Um, and and if you're on a call, make sure uh, some fraudster may struggle to provide personal information that take literal second to answer, like their their name. Uh, day of birth, address, and so on, um, and, and and look out for whether the caller's profile matches what you know of the real customer. So, for example, if you know the member who is requesting some sort of financial aid have a healthy history of contribution, healthy income, then you know it's not very likely for them to require that payment. And and for, and if you know that the real customer is a 70 years old woman, for example, and the caller has a Scottish accent, then you know something is definitely going on in that case. But of course, it's always important to know that um, it is not easy to spot, spot fraud. Uh, every case can be unique, and especially when new recent AI technology, criminal can find a way to make it even harder to detect. Um, yeah, that, and that's why it's always important to stay vigilant and follow established pr uh, protocol and procedure, which are all designed to help identify and minimize potential risk exposures. You've been listening to GradCast. I'm Cal Irving, and this has been my conversation with Mio from CSC about fraud. Yeah, so there were some examples of, I guess you could call them red flags for staff to sort of be looking out for. So yeah, checking that, you know, if someone's claiming to be calling from, um, you know, Townsville, if they're calling from an overseas number, that would be a red flag. Or if they say that they're 70 years old, but they sound like me, that's probably a red flag. I don't know. So I guess they're things that, uh, staff who are in customer-facing roles would be looking out for? Yeah, because as soon as you smell something fishy going on, it's, it won't hurt to flag those accounts. Yeah. You can yep. never be too safe when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah, sure. Um, and I guess what actually is, is fraud in those cases? Well, there is a distinction between uh, making a genuine mistake. Mm. Uh, for example, sending out per, uh, members' personal information to an incorrect email. That wouldn't be considered as fraud because that, that is a genuine mistake that you make that wasn't yeah. any intention. In, yeah. in order for fraud to be considered fraud, there has to be an intention to do something uh, wrong. Yeah, that, that, I think that's how we usually categorize it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I guess should staff in, in the APS, like I guess there's a lot of cases, a lot of graduates who are in sort of customer-facing roles. 
Um, should they be sort of on the lookout for fraud? Should they be sort of, how should they, I guess, be, be looking out for that and be extra vigilant? In, in my role, like I have access to some members' private information, mm. right? Uh, you have to, all, have to be sh- sure that we don't send these information somewhere, email it, for, we, we're not supposed to email it directly to, to ourselves. Uh, we have to do this through the network so that it has some sort of security system. Mm. Um, we have to be careful with how we treat those information because yeah. these, these uh, access are granted to us and it's our responsibility to make sure we treat them accordingly. Mm. Um, and if a staff, if they sort of encountered something that they thought was maybe fraud, um, what would they do in that situation? Uh, d- depending on the company, uh, usually we have a fraud team Yep. Uh, there's usually an email to it. So when you suspect something is going on, you should always email it, uh, email th- those team, and they will treat and they will probably contact you and follow up for more information. Yeah. Um, and Mia, I guess going forward, like you're sort of going to be continuing your grad program, um, sort of moving on to other rotations. Are there things that you've learned in the risk team or like sort of skills that you've picked up that you think you're going to sort of be, I guess, taking with you in the rest of your grad program and I guess the rest of your career as well? Yeah, being in the risk team really opened my eyes to just how dangerous and scary the world is because risk is everywhere. Yeah. Um, it has provided me with knowledge of risk management, risk practices, uh, which is beneficial no matter which thing I go to, right? Because uh, everything we do carry, carry risk and to, be, to have this level of awareness is always good, especially if we, if we want to be in a decision-making road down the line in the future. Um, and since and it's also important to point out that risk and cybersecurity are becoming more in demand in the industry, having this skill is also going to help you. Um, and what really tr- truly stand out to me are the per- personal and professional group opportunity that I've been given through this role. Um, I have a chance to connect and network with people from different parts of the company. I have, ex- have expanded my network and to deepen my understanding of the industry and the business that I'm in. Um, the risk thing have been very supportive and understanding of my own learning and have been keen on sharing their own prof- pro, uh, professional journey as well. So I'm very thankful and I want to say I'm very privileged that I was given this role as a grad. And I also recommend anyone who is doing a grad program do a, potentially do a risk rotation of their own in the future. Yeah, yeah, I, I second that. I think, yeah, everyone, everyone should definitely try to do a rotation in the risk team. If they, if they don't get a chance to do that, are there things that someone could do, I guess, to be just better risk prepared in any role without having sort of done a rotation in the risk team? Uh, usually we have a risk module, yep. which are oftentimes mandatory. So engage with them. Yeah. Uh, yep. Also p- consider a cybersecurity rotation, which, which is heavily tied to risk. They are more frontline. So if you want to see more action, it's probably where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, and Neo, so you're sort of, I guess, will be eventually moving out of this rotation. Do you have plans for your next rotation and where you're sort of going to be heading next in CSC? Uh, I, I was thinking of going to the customer experience and insight team. Yeah, nice. Uh, they, they're always doing like a lot of crazy projects, very busy. It's, it's, comp- it's something that I have never tried before. So yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, fantastic. Um, that's really exciting. And um, I think, yeah, this, is, this has been a fantastic discussion. Loved hearing about your rotation and all the best for your next rotation and the rest of your sort of time in the CSC grad program. Yeah, thank you for having me on today. Um, 
I guess I'll see you around in the office. See you around there. Thanks again. It was really great to chat through with Mio about his rotation. It's bringing back a lot of memories for me about what I was doing in my sort of grad year when I was uh, with the RIS team. Uh, yeah, I think just like some really interesting things Mio talked about, sort of the, the fraud triangle and sort of those red flags. I think, um, yeah, there's so much that is, you know, like I've used from my time, I think he's going to use. And anyone who's sort of had that experience, um, yeah, I guess knowing about, a bit more about fraud, about the risks, that are sort of out there are just going to be really beneficial no matter where you end up in CSE and the APS. Um, that's it for this episode, but if you'd like to see more Grandcast content, you can check out our socials at Grandcast on LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok. Grandcast is a production by Content Group, sponsored by the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, CSC. And we'll be back soon with more stories, tips, and insights. Thanks for tuning in. And bye for now.